Hey, Crossroads, uh, thanks for joining us from wherever you are. Good morning and a beautiful one it is. Um, I don't know about you, but felt like a bit of a rough week uh, this week. And I know everyone is feeling the weight of what we can't do right now. And I know some of us are feeling that weight even more for a variety of different reasons. I know for me, um, all week, verse 4 from Psalm 105 has been present with me. And it just calls us all to look to his strength and seek his face always. And uh, a piece of that that I have been adding to it um, is just loving each other and staying united in Christ in the midst of this. And so uh, we pray that we've been doing a good job of communicating uh, all the ways that we're feeling led to bring us all together under that idea of looking to his strength, of seeking his face always, and staying connected and loving each other. And so um, thanks. I want to just say thank you for all the ways that you've encouraged and stayed connected. In fact, um, I've said to a number of different people this week that I feel like our church family and, and maybe the body of Christ in Grand Rapids and West Michigan, and I certainly pray around the world, is really leaning in right now. I think we're, we're leaning into his strength, and uh, hopefully we'll just continue to lean into each other as this continues. So I did want to highlight a few things along those lines that I think all connect into those, that idea, that idea of looking to his strength, seeking his face, and staying connected and loving each other. The first is just simply this West Michigan praise uh, that is going on. You can find out information, if, certainly if you search it, and also our website. Just a great way to, I mean, number prayer is just huge. Uh, it has been for me in that idea of seeking his face always, and we could do that together as a community, so I want to encourage you to check that out. And we've really settled into our weekly rhythms around here, uh, and I you know, we kind of pray that maybe they'll only go for a couple more weeks, but uh, we're going to be doing this Wednesday morning worship at 8.30 a.m., the Thursday evening worship at 7.30 p.m., and then, of course, our Sunday morning gatherings here at uh, 10.30 in the morning. A couple of other things that are brewing uh, along these lines is uh, there's this thing we're starting coming up called Family Talks. And really what that is is, uh, and I'm going to read it, because I want to make sure that I get it right, Brian. I know you're out there right now. Um, it's a virtual small group gathering, uh, an experience where basically via Zoom on a weekly basis, we're going to be sharing what we've been learning, what we've been working our way through, talking a little bit about maybe the sermon on Sunday morning or different things in God's word that are impacting us. We'll have the opportunity to pray together uh, and as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so each week during this one-hour gathering in the evening, uh, we're going to have uh, a large group time, and then during the actual Zoom meeting, we'll be able to break up into smaller groups. And so that'll be a great opportunity. You can sign up for that on the website, and that's going to be weekly for four weeks, either starting Wednesday, April 20, well, either Sunday, April 26th, or Wednesday, April 29. Second item, uh, I don't know if you felt it, but there was a lot of uh, tensions this week, and uh, they're definitely brewing more and more. And so 
Uh, we've been talking with the Colossians Forum for a while about an opportunity for them to come in and equip our body. And so we're going to do that in a couple weeks. Now, we already communicated that it was going to be Wednesday, April 29, but it's not going to be Wednesday, April 29. It'll probably be that week, and we're locking down uh, the actual date on that. So forgive us for uh, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit on that date. But really what we're going to do, it's going to be a... Uh, uh, streamed live events where we're going to sit down with the Colossians Forum and talk about ways to stay faithful during our disagreements. Uh, Michael and Clint from the Colossians Forum will lead us through a, essentially a uniquely Christian, Christ-centered way uh, for us to engage difficult conversations in our community. There's a number of other things that they're going to talk about that are going to be helpful. Really want to encourage you to get connected to that. And if you go to the Colossians Forum website, there's a couple of lead-up events you can sign up for, too. They're webinars. Those you have to register for. Uh, our event, you can just tune into uh, on the evening that it is that week. Of course, you see all uh, other announcements, and you can go to our website for all the other ways that um, we're pushing into that idea of looking to the Lord for his strength of seeking his face always and staying connected as a family. So I want to encourage you, have a great week. And uh, now let's go to the call to worship. Good morning, Crossroads family. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Annie Ostrander. I am a Crossroads missionary serving in Lebanon, which is in the Middle East. And first of all, I just want to say it's really been such a joy worshiping with you all through the uh, online services over here in Lebanon we are also in lockdown so what can I say we're all in this together um, secondly I've asked some special guests to share some encouraging scripture with you this morning I'm Derek Crossroads in America I'm Shikardikan معونتي من عند الرب صانع السماوات والأرض لا يدع رجلك تزل لا ينعس حافظك إنه لا ينعس ولا ينام حافظ إسرائيل الرب حافظك الرب زل لك عن يدك اليمنى لا تضربك الشمس في النهار ولا القمر في الليل الرب يحفظك من كل الشر يحفظ نفسك الرب يحفظ خروجك ودخولك من الآن وإلى الدهر so this morning, let us worship the Lord, our helper. Let us worship the Lord, our keeper. Let us worship the Lord, our God. Amen. All right, here we go. You are good, you are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love, you are love. On display for all to see, you are light. Darkness closes in, you are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. 
And I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind And I won't be off every chain I believe there's power that can empty out a grave there's resurrection power that can say there's power in your name power in your name one more time there's power that can break off every chain there's power that can empty out resurrection power that can save this power in your name power in your name my fear doesn't stand a chance I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I Each one of our homes, Lord, this morning, we will watch darkness retreat. We will watch your peace invade. Come, Jesus. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. And seeking you as a precious truth. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus.
God, that's why we're here uh, in an empty room uh, this morning. That's why we're gathered around our computer screens, our TV screens. You're worthy of uh, us stumbling through uh, our praise, our worship. You're worthy of that, you know, because we are, we're purposing our hearts right now. Not to have a big gathering or a fancy production. We're purposing in our hearts to, to seek you give you the honor and the glory that you deserve. You're worthy of it, Jesus. I thank you so much that just in these times it's being revealed how, just in a really clear way, how you are not in this building per se, Lord, but your Holy Spirit, it fills your church, your people. Thank you for that, God. We just pray like, like early Christians prayed, God, that you'd give us boldness and you'd give us your nearness that we'd sense you with us, Lord, that we'd see your hand mightily at work. God, we thank you that uh, we have access to your word too, that it's not for an elite class, but your word is for everyone. And so across the city as thousands of people are, you know, not just in our church, but churches all over are just opening your word this morning, God. We pray that your word would move in power today. Thank you for Dan. Thank you for just how he loves you, how he loves your word, God. And I just pray uh, this morning that you would enable him to make clear your, your will for us, your plan for us, your love for us, Lord. We thank you, God. We worship you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Danny, a little walk-up music. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Morning, everybody. I, uh, I miss you all very much, and I miss uh, a lot of the stuff that we get to do that we can't do now. One of the things I was just thinking about is, remember that thing we would do where we would greet each other? and shake a hand or bump a fist or have a, just a time to be social. And given that it's just so secluded, like everybody right now is unable to do that, um, I, I got to thinking, Rod this week at our staff meeting had us all, instead of praying, trying to pray over top of each other at, on our Zoom call, but he had us write in the chat on the side our prayers, and it was a very profound moment, and I just started to think, you know what? Why don't, you, why don't we write a little bit of a greeting in that chat, or if you're on the Facebook Live, in the comment section below, why don't you think of somebody's name? Man, this is, this is a pretty simple thing to do. Think of somebody's name, of somebody that you wish that you could shake their hand right now. I don't even know when we'll ever be able to shake people's hands ever again. 
But can you think of somebody that you want to see, somebody that you want to look across the, the church and see and that you wish you could right now go talk to them? Write their name in the chat. Write their name into the Facebook comment. Uh, just bless them with your words right now. Who is it that you want to see? I know right now I'm looking at the front row and I'm missing Lori and uh, Doug Sport and their encouragement and support. Mitch and Carola, I'm always looking for you guys. Where's Tyler and Lauren? Where's Cindy and Tyler Smees? Where's Jill and Brian? Where are th- I, I want to greet you right now. feel like Apostle Paul writing the letters, writing the greetings out at the end here. Uh, speaking of, this just came to my mind. This is your chance to not greet someone with a holy kiss, but greet them with a holy comment. Uh, a digital version of our greeting to one another. Write, write the name of somebody in the chat or in the comment section on the Facebook that you want to greet. Bless them. We can bless each other this morning, even though we're not gathered. I'm thinking right now of uh, everybody that's in a whirlwind in the education system. Right now, uh, just start thinking of some names of people that you can write in there, some teachers. Julie Barrett, Ben Gartlitz, Phil Warners, Carol Brookins, some teachers that you want to put, put their names in the, in the chat, that you're praying for them and, and holding them up. Mark Tesla, uh, people who ha- are in a world, a completely different space right now as teachers and trying to figure out how to navigate this, the end of this semester. Um, you have a church and your church is praying for you and supporting you. Students, junior high, senior high, it's tempting right now to check out, and, and I, I feel for you, seniors in high school, didn't expect this to be your last semester like this, but finish well. College students, finish well. Make it a point to not let this season dictate whether or not you're going to uh, continue to learn. Don't let this season dictate whether or not you're going to be engaged in your education. Finish this season as well as you can. And I, and I want to invite everybody to just join me in prayer for anybody that's in that world of education right now. Jesus, we look to you, and we don't just pray for you to just calm our storm because we don't like the storm. I'm praying for you to speak peace into the storm. Speak peace and order into the chaos, the chaos of the education system that people are in right now. I'm thinking of parents that... At one point, we're just parents, and now they're all of a sudden educators and proctors and trying to help speak order into the chaos. We cling to you, and we know that if we're drowning or falling down in the water, that you are the one who's standing above the waves. You are the one who reaches out and grabs our hand when we reach to you. And so as a community, we're reaching out to you. Grab our hand and pull us out and show us who the one is who stands above the chaos and can speak order into all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. For today's devotion, I'd like to read to you from John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to John chapter 4. While you're turning there, uh, Steve was talking about this week kind of being a little bumpy and clunky for some of us, and I totally agree with that. I'm actually calling it the post-Easter blues. Maybe that's just my world. Uh, last week, we just had a blast. 
Thank you to everybody who was involved in those videos that you showed out for your church, saying a video of yourself. I know that can be uncomfortable, but good grief. How encouraging was it to see all of your video, all of your faces, and talking about the cross and what it means to you. We put so much energy into the worship and prayer every morning, into the Good Friday service, having the Easter celebration, and rightfully so. We do need to have these formal moments where we are able to show out for the greatest truth that we can think of. The one who conquered sin, the one who defeated death, and the one who calls us into resurrected life. But what happens when you look in the mirror on Monday morning after that, after all that energy, after all that focus and all that attention, in, 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 especially since this whole season of the last five weeks, uh, wondering what is actually going to happen at Easter or what's going to happen, you know, and, and then Monday morning you think, now what? I've heard several people this week say there's just a slight feeling of despair or a slight feeling of hopelessness. And I just want to speak into that, at least to the extent of some of the pressures that we might feel in order to, uh, in our culture to maybe put on a face, put on a mask or put on some sort of positive spin on all of this. And I just want to encourage you to stay faithful in this season. When we arrive in the age to come, I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful. I, I don't think it's going to be a big comment on you had a, a high level of energy. You had a high level of, uh, you, you showed everybody how happy and passionate you are in hard times. You were able to, uh, you were able to muster up something when no one else could that's, that's an unrealistic expectation. It's okay to be in a bad mood, to be frustrated, and to have this time where we're uh, mourning or lamenting. But true north on your compass is not how you feel, it's not your emotion, it's faithfulness. And so this is a time of stretching, of growing, of challenging, of breaking of idols. And what you want to do is to ask yourself, am I being faithful to the season that God has me in? Am I doing the work that he has put before me? And you ask that question and pursue being faithful to him, I promise you, you're not going to regret it. Hopefully that somehow ties into this, but uh, I really just want to say that to you. And so please uh, stand with me for the reading of God's word in John chapter 4, starting in verse 43. Actually, I want to read 42. Uh, I just love this verse. I don't want to forget it. They said to the woman, these are the people in, uh, where Rod was preaching last week in the, in the town of Sychar where the woman at the well was. We no longer believe just because of what you've said to the woman. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is our savior. After the two days he left for Galilee, Jesus himself had pointed out that the prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast for they also had been there. So he went and visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum, that's 15 miles uh, to the east. When this man heard that Jesus arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went up and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus said, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, Come down before my child dies. 
Jesus replied, go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said the fever left him yesterday at one o'clock. The father then realized that this was the exact time that Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and his house believed. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. Amen. It's your house. You can stand or you can sit if you want. The... Uh, the second sign. The first sign uh, was actually, I think, the last time we gathered as a group here, the water into wine in chapter 2. When Jesus turned water into wine. This is now the second sign. I want to remind you, when John uses the motif in his writings, sign, this is not uh, an arbitrary thing. This is not something that he is trying to um, just replace the word miracle with. They are miracles. But John is specifically curating the miracles that he puts in this because he wants to do something with them. So he calls them, they are a sign. They are a sign pointing to a person. In John chapter 20, he said, there's many other miracles that Jesus performed that I did not write in this book, but I have written these things. I have put these things together so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so it's like he's putting these things together and saying, I want to uh, present this to you. And when you look at this stuff, that's going to be a challenge and a confrontation and a confirmation of who you're actually going to put your trust into. So we need to ask ourselves, whenever we see that, this is the third sign, the second sign. What is the sign pointing towards or revealing about Jesus? Because if we don't ask that question, we might miss what John is trying to do, especially in this story. Because people believing in signs is the, one of the biggest things that is critiqued in the story. So what is the sign and, and why, how do we figure that out? And if we don't do that work, we might have, be left with the glaring contradiction in the second sign. So, so, so just see a little bit of the, um, a theme that I've been seeing go through this uh, story here. We've been kind of interacting with seeing things and with signs already. Didn't Jesus say at the end of the water to wine miracle, or, or didn't John write, uh, there were many who saw this miracle and believed. But Jesus did not accept their belief. He didn't, he didn't entrust himself to them. For he knew what was in the heart of man. <clears throat> Wait a minute. Is there a way that we can see Jesus and, and actually it be a bad thing? I mean, how does that make sense? Didn't we see in chapter 1 all kinds of seeing? Didn't we see the, the verse, we beheld his glory? Didn't we hear John the Baptist say, behold? Aren't we looking uh, with a theme here of Pilate at the end saying, behold the man? Didn't Jesus say, come and see? Didn't Andrew say to Peter, come and see? What, what, what is the difference between this seeing and this seeing? 
We see Jesus then go from Cana to, to Jerusalem, and he kind of does the same thing. Look at this big temple and all this stuff that looks like it's going really well and is really healthy and is really vibrant. But he says, looks can be deceiving here. This is actually something very unhealthy. Don't trust that you could just see inside there's something that needs to happen. This is developed again when Nicodemus meets Jesus. He says, sir, we know that you are from God because of the things that you're doing. And Jesus says really quickly, you can't see this. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you have been born again. The contrast develops when he leaves Jerusalem and goes to Sychar. <clears throat> There's no miracle performed here. There's people who on the outside look like people that, that should be in conflict with Jesus. On the outside, it looks like they should be enemies. But Jesus speaks to something inside. They don't have to see anything to believe. They hear him and they believe in him. What does she say? He, uh, he says, give me a drink. And she says, I don't have a bucket. And Jesus says, you don't need a bucket because I'm the well. I'm going to have life that's going to come from me and it's going to pour over into you. And then that verse that I read at the end of that whole experience, which, good grief, it looks like the whole town becomes Christians. They say the very thing. We do not just, we didn't see anything. They said, we heard and we are believing. Read that into what's happening here in Galilee. When Jesus says to them, you guys are looking for something to see before you believe. There is a way that we can welcome Jesus and not welcome him. Yeah, he thought, that they, he thought that he'd get to go lay low. For a prophet is without honor in his hometown. He's trying to, he's trying to take a break, trying to get up there and, and, and get, out of the, get out of the spotlight. And as soon as he gets there, they welcome him. This is not a good kind of welcome. This is something they're looking for entertainment. They're looking for something that they can just sort of uh, see some spectacular sign and wonder. And he says to them, this, this is something that he wants to challenge. Do you know that there is a way to hear, but not hear? There is a way to see, but not perceive. There is a way to welcome Jesus, but not welcome him. Our last gathering as a group, Dave Vandervelde shared a call to worship that I thought was so profound. I promise you, I'm on the edge of my seat the entire time he's sharing this. It is largely based on Hebrews 12. And, uh, and at the end, here's kind of my experience. He asked a rhetorical question, but I did not realize it was a rhetorical question. I know that I'm the only person in the church that didn't realize this because I answered the question. He wanted to say, are you a fan or are you a follower? As soon as he says, are you a fan, I think he's just saying, are you a fan of this guy? I raise my hand and say, yes. And then he goes, no, are you a fan or are you a follower? And I'm like, uh, the second one. I, pro I'm this, I didn't mean to do it. And I'm the only person speaking out of turn there. <laughs> and I'm very embarrassed by that. My friends had a good time with that uh, story, but I love the an analogy, or I love the comparison that he made there. I never heard that before. Are you a fan or a follower? Jesus is surrounded by fans here, and he wants to get them to transition from fan to follower. 
I think that's a great question to ask because being a fan is a tricky thing. Look, Jesus is not being moody here. It's not just that he's got an application process and he's looking at them saying, oh, you know what, you guys aren't legit. I don't have, my, I don't have any time for you. Being a fan is not what Jesus is looking for because it's a, a person who's building on a very shallow foundation. And it's a tricky thing emotionally to figure out. I mean, being a fan, you, you think you're in to something that you're not into. Being a fan, like if, if, if it's a sports team, you feel like you won if they won. You feel like you lost if they lost. But you have done nothing. I wore a Dennis Rodman jersey underneath my basketball jersey for every game of high school. But I was never in any way on that team or responsible or at risk or, or getting any credit from anything that the Chicago Bulls ever did. This is a difference in the trickiness of how we can trick ourselves into being a fan of something, but not necessarily a follower. We can intellectually agree with doctrines and systems and beliefs, but actually have really no connection to it ourselves. This is a risky place to be, not because Jesus is pretentious as he called this out, but I think it's because he's actually concerned. Jesus knows that there will be hardships that come your way. He knows that the waters will rise. He knows that it's very important to figure out what your faith and belief is built on. And if it's built on a sign or seeing something, if it's built on saying to Jesus, I'll believe it when I see it. If it's built on things like prove it to me. If it's built on that, what happens when you don't get the sign? What happens when you are frustrated or, or are in a situation where you actually need something and you are desperate and you have built on a foundation of sand? You have a shallow faith. It's going to crumble. Whatever you have built is going to fall over. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Because a follower is somebody who in moments of desperation surrenders their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ every day more and more. A follower is a great contrast because there is a man who is shown, uh, who John introduces us to here that is in the season where it actually matters if you're a fan or a follower. A season of desperation. He comes to Jesus and he says, my son is going to die. Can you help me? Not very hard for us to connect with this situation because we have children now in our world. We understand the importance of them. Not four weeks ago, we had two, week, two people on this stage talking about being in this situation when we had the panel. But in the time that Jesus lived, it's kind of a swear word nowadays, but they lived in a patriarchy. This, was, this means that the relationship between the father and the sons of the house is the most important relationship in their society. Aside from you and your God, you have a very important connection to your son. Not only is this the person who's going to carry you in retirement, is this, this is your 401k, this is the thing that you're trying to, uh, that's going to take care of you when you're not able to take care of yourself. But this is also the person that you pour your faith into, your religion, your family tradition, your namesake, the, the, things, the stories of your fathers. You pour, first and foremost, your legacy 
into the sons of the house. The bond between a father and son was so important. Let that, let that speak a little bit into your John 3.16 and 3.17. He gave his only son. What would that mean to, to somebody in this time where they knew that everything the father was was first and foremost targeted to come in, out of the son? Come with me. My son is going to die. If you're a fan or a follower in this moment, Maybe you're not in that same situation where we had to figure out, you know, where, where it's children. But you might be in a desperate place right now. And my question for you is first, where do you go in that desperation? Who do you go to? A fan will go to some sort of solution to a problem. But a follower goes to Jesus. The man goes to Jesus. Let me tell you something. When we are in moments of crisis and desperation, there is a temptation to listen to the voice of the world which asks the question, how? How? How am I going to uh, defeat this giant? It's too tall, too strong. How am I going to cross this river? <coughs> how am I going to walk into that fiery furnace? How am I going to survive that lion's den? How is this wall going to come down? How? How is this economy going to get fixed? How is this going to get solved? How am I supposed to live right now? How am I supposed to do this? But a person of faith is not first and foremost driven by the question how, but we are driven by who. We go to the who in our part, uh, moments of crisis and desperation, the one who is able to use some kid throwing rocks at a giant, the one who is able to say, just walk around the wall in faith and I will make it fall down, the one who is able to part the sea, the one who is able to shut the mouths of the lion and quench the fury of the fire, the one who is able to be there for us and with us and through us in our moment of crisis. Who are you going to? It's not as important right now that we solve the question how, but that we are very clear on who we are going to. He goes to Jesus. And then Jesus speaks a word to him, go and your son will live. And now there's a very important distinction here that's made to me because he has a chance to listen to two different voices. He has a chance to listen to the voice of fear and to walk in that or he has a chance to listen to the voice of Christ and the truth that he spoke. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's not afraid. He has a heart in his chest, he has a brain in his head, he's terrified right now, his kid might uh, die. Of course he's afraid. But tell me I'm wrong, there's a difference between being afraid and walking in fear. Walking in fear right at this moment will look like he's listening to that voice that wants to seek to control. That voice that will say, no, 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 no. I said, you have to come with me. You have to come to my house. I have made my expectation clear. I'm going to show my royal official badge here. I'm going to make flex a little bit. I am going to control this situation. 
I want to, Jesus, I want you to do it for me in this way, and I thought you'd do it by now, and at this time, and if you don't do it like this, then, then, then I'm out of control right now, and I don't like that feeling. It's scary. Walking in fear will, off, will often leave you in prison, will leave you in a, a, a place of being stuck and, and seeking merely uh, control. A faith then becomes somewhat formulaic. It becomes uh, very tempting to try and make up these formulas of how I can manipulate and control God. But a formulaic faith is not a faith at all. For it counsels out all need for an actual relationship with the person that we're bringing our desperation to. He did not walk in fear, but he walked in the truth. Well, I'm going to ask you to come back up and lead us in a time of prayer and worship here. And... Uh, because I really just want to end by saying this. The sign, the second sign is not that just the son was healed. But look at what they're actually talking about. They are talking about when did he say your son will live. The second sign is more about the fact that Jesus spoke something and it was true. He spoke with such power and authority that when he said it, it became reality and he spoke the truth and he speaks the truth and that man decided that day I don't need to believe it when I see it I don't need to get it in writing I'm going to take your word for it I am going to trust that what you said is truth and when you say the truth I'm going to take a step forwards in faith do you believe that what Jesus said is true and so I don't know where you're at right now, but I want to end this time by doing something sort of uh, inspired by this man's action, where he really wins the battle by actually turning and taking a step towards his home in belief. And so wherever you are, if you're in your kitchen, if you're in your bathroom or your, your, your living room or theater, whatever it is, stand to your feet and I want to invite you to take a step forwards, just like the royal official did when he took a step and believed that what Jesus said is true. And I want to just say some, uh, some truth that Jesus spoke and invite you to take a step forward in belief in that. If it's one of them, if it's all of them, that's fine. But I think right now we need to uh, respond to Jesus in faith and, and take a step. And so... Uh, for those of you, for those of you right now who are still kind of in that space last week, I want to remind you of the words that Jesus spoke when he said what? It is finished. For all the times that we have been unfaithful, for all the times that we have told Jesus, uh, I'll believe it when I see it, for all the times that we have leaned on signs and circumstances and made those our faith and, and tried to control and manipulate God, guess what? The sin that you are thinking of right now has been forgiven. It is finished. And if you are struggling with believing that or you just want to double down on the truth that Jesus spoke, then take a step forwards right now in faith and step forwards and say, I believe that it is finished and I want to walk in unity with that truth. For those of you right now who are just alone, you're at home, you're isolated, and you need to hear the truth that Jesus spoke. What did he say at the very end of Matthew, I will be with you. 
I will be with you even to the end of the age. If you want to re-up and you've been just feeling like you're alone and you're abandoned and you're isolated, then I want you to hear the truth, the powerful, reality-making truth that Jesus said, no, I am with you. I will not leave you as an orphan. Then take a step forwards and say, I believe in that. And I'm going to walk in that truth. I will not leave you as an orphan, but I will send my spirit to be with you and I will be with you in the end of the age. Do you believe in this truth? Right now, if there's any fear that you've been walking in, if there's any fear uh, that's just sort of keeping you stuck in place right now, your faith does not have to be stuck. Your faith can move forwards. And remember the one who said, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. Do you believe that he has overcome it? Do you believe that he is powerful and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Then take a step forwards and believe that he has overcome this uh, fear that you have right now. And take a step forwards in faith. And for those of you that are willing to pray with me, maybe in your home, just pray out loud this simple prayer right now. Jesus, I stand in faith in you and you alone. Amen. Seated above, enthroned in the Father's love, and destined to die and poured out for all mankind. And God's only Son, the perfect, the spotless one. Oh, he never sinned, but he suffered as if he did. All authority and all authority, every victory is yours. One more time, all authority. Oh 
more. All authority. All authority. Every victory is yours. Savior, you're worthy of all. Spirit, Son, the life. 
lift that up in your homes. You're the name above. Oh, come on, kids, sing along. You are worthy of. Yes, you are so worthy in my heart. with me as uh, we split ways. The waters are rising, the rain is falling, the wind is blowing. Things are being tested and challenged right now. People, are, we're in desperate times. But we have the right who that we're standing on. We are clinging to you, our rock, our mighty fortress, and our foundation. And I know that we, we put our trust and faith in you, that this house will stand. We have built on you. We're your followers. And so we stand here and we believe in your truth and we will walk in it. Continue to speak to this church this week. And thank you for blessing us with your blessing and with your keeping us. Thank you for lifting your countenance upon us and looking at us with grace, graciously. Thank you for looking towards us with your peace, your shalom. We receive that from you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.